Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat, the weekly Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live. A happy new year to all of our listeners and joining me to look back on a very productive Christmas for Argyle are our podcast regulars Chris Errington and Jack Ball and a happy new year to you too. Happy new year, I'm Gents. impressed. It's been a few weeks but you've managed to do that in one take. Yeah. <laughs> well, new year, new start Jack. I'm, very, I'm really impressed. <laughs> Stu's set the bar very high at the start of 2020, straight through there. Yeah, it's just it like one of those sort of BBC podcasts or something like that, like they probably record about people start thinking times. we're professional people soon. I know one off first intro takes yeah, well done they probably won't record now we'll have to film it all yeah, again, all again. Yeah, no it's uh, the, the, yeah the ticker's going it's so um, I think we're okay it's going to be all downhill from now isn't it so. yeah good Christmas chaps yes thank you yeah plenty of football Jack you yeah very good had a couple of weeks off and mm. been watching some of the home games I've not been gone going to any of the away games because mm-hmm. of the festivities but yeah so far so good how about you yeah not too bad not too bad it's uh, my son had chicken box of course but apart from that it was because uh, you it wasn't too bad so you haven't done a podcast before you went to Lapland because no. I think you were in Lapland last time we mm-hmm. were yeah that's right yeah. Yeah. so you've been seeing no Father Christmas and all sorts <laughs> what was it like out there out in Lapland it was lovely absolutely amazing I'd recommend anyone if you have the opportunity to go and to take your kids do it because it is a Proper once in a lifetime trip. I was lucky because it was a press trip for me, but um, yeah, just so many special memories made. I'd recommend it to anyone. Just... I went to Lapland once with Argyle, but unfortunately, I did that in the summer. Did right you the see winter. the twenty-four hour sun while you were there? I'm sure we did, um, <laughs> but uh, we went out. Um, Rupert Metcalf, who still works uh, with us, uh, and I went on the pre-season tour to Sweden, <laughs> and we went to a place called Betsela, I think it was. And we drove for hours from our base to get to this place back. Better. And I remember going past like the boards, welcome to Lapland. And of course, you did Lapland properly, Stu, with snow and everything. Yeah. We went in the middle of July. So it was just this waste, barren land. It was actually quite warm. And when we got out there, it was, it was really quite pleasant. But you felt a long way from, from the real world. Yeah. And I, I do remember Rupert had to file some copy for the Western Morning News and we were in this place called Betzler and there was no sort of Wi-Fi or anything like that so I remember him going around knocking on doors of local wooden <laughs> lodges to see if he could plug into their phone line so he could send his copy back to the Morning News. That's fantastic. <laughs> Just knocking on the door, excuse me, I'm from Plymouth in England. <laughs> Can I use your phone line? <laughs> I remember doing that at Aldershot one time. I had, to stop at a I had to stop at a takeaway place and just say, Can I, like, I'm really struggling to get my copy across. Yeah. Can I please just use your phone line to send some copy across? And they're like, yeah, no problem. So, so I stopped so, at this pizza takeaway place and filed some copy. Is Aldershot the, the English Lapland, is it? Is that 
I'm impressed. Well, I must say though that the Wi-Fi in Finnish Lapland, we're in Finland as mm-hmm. opposed to Sweden, but yeah. the Lapland, the uh, the Wi-Fi there is better than it is at Forest Green Rovers. Yeah, I, I can well believe that, Stu, I've, having been there recently. I've got so impressed you managed to link Lapland to Argyle somehow. That is that is, I, that's very I, impressive. I, it, it sort of was like a quiz. You know, the TV is it sort of join up the dots. So this isn't on the script though. Stu. No, Lapland I know we're moving well the... away from the script. But let's <laughs> let's go back to script there. Yes, okay. Um, Let's talk Argyle as well, because I'm sure people are fed <laughs> up of us talking nonsense. Um, how would you assess the festive period then, guys? Jack, you've got the results there, three wins and a defeat, is I it? That's only because my memory's not like Chris's, so I wouldn't be able to remember what actually... <laughs> I can't remember what happened yesterday. Go for it, Jack. So obviously, um, nine points from a possible 12. I think most Argyle fans would have taken that. It started with a 1-0 win against Cheltenham away, a 2-1 home win against Stevenage, a 2-1 defeat at home against Swindon, and then obviously the 3-1 win against Scunthorpe. Like I said, I think... If you asked most Argyle fans what would be successful, I'd have said two wins and two draws even. So maybe I'd have even taken eight points. It's obviously disappointing that Argyle lost to Swindon because that's one of the teams they're trying to compete with. But Swindon were a good team on that day. So I think nine points out of 12 is as good as it could have really got, really. Yeah, takeaways, I thought going to Cheltenham was not an easy easy place. Mm. Tight ground, small pitch. um, And they dug deep and ground out a win. um, So that was a decent result. Stevenage, I think they, they possibly made a little bit harder work of it than they yeah. needed to. Um, but, you know, you can't beat a, what was it, 96th minute it winning was, yeah. goal. You know, those, those sort of goals can transform your season, Absolutely, can't you? Absolutely, yeah. You know, instead of a 1-1 draw against Stevenage and everyone would have gone away, well, you know, it wasn't very good. And, and then to go away with those extra two points. And the great, as I say, the great thing about that for me as well was... Mm. And I don't blame them for doing it because if I'll go in that position, I know yeah. I'll go do exactly the same, but they wasted so much time in that second mm. half. They're the ones that built up those five yeah. minutes. So yeah. it's almost like, it feels like even better yeah. when you, you get a goal in that time that they created. There's yeah. a justice about it. You're right, Jack. That, uh, the, the thought crossed my mind as well that, you know, they went a long way into stoppage time mm. because Stephen Edge had been trying all the tactics in the book. Teams do it. I mean, they, they're not the first. They won't be the last to, to do the, the slow substitutions and the players going down with injuries and all those sort of things they did. But, um, but it came back to, to bite them. The Swindon game, you know, fantastic occasion. Great to see Home Park, you know, 15,000 people inside it. Made it a tremendous occasion. Um, we'd seen Swindon twice before earlier in the season, once in the EFL Trophy, once in the league. I wasn't overly impressed with Swindon in either of those two games. I was very impressed mm. on New Year's Day. They looked like a well-organised, well-functioned team, <coughs> strong at the back, uh, and that was without quite a few key players um, not playing, Matei, Baudry and a couple of others. But that sort of front six, I mean, they were they were a real handful, weren't they? You know, Jerry, obviously, Owen Doyle's getting all the headlines and would he stay, won't he stay for them? But, you know, with Doyle, Yates... Um, Jai Yassimi the, the lad on loan from Norwich that yeah. scored um, they brought on Kane Woolery uh, for, for Yates towards the end uh, they caused Argyle lots of problems and mm. um, I was very impressed with them so I don't think too much shame to lose to a good informed team like them and then by going to Scunthorpe and then winning 3-1 it sort of makes up for that defeat by Swindon doesn't it so that you've gone away from home um, They've seemed to have found a formula away from home where there is less football played and they are more direct, but that is not a criticism because it's getting them results. They went to Forest Green, difficult small type pitch, 1-1-0. Same at Cheltenham, 1-1-0. Went to Scunthorpe, again, you know, it's, it, everything's quite tight and there's not really the, the pitch to play flowing, passing football through the thirds and they've got a 3-1 win. 
and most importantly, they didn't have that many chances in the game and they scored three goals. And we've not said that a lot about Argyle this season, have we? No, and again, like I said, you know, nine points out of 12 is great. I think eight wins out of 11 it is or something like mm. that. So they're on great form and it's, it's just enjoyable to watch. Even the Swindon game, you're right, there was 15,000 inside the stadium. It was such a good occasion. I left not too disheartened by that result. I thought it was an entertaining game. It was good to see the ground packed. I was still enjoying the type of football that Ryan knows put on display and it's, it's just fun to go to Argyle again and you know that's all fans can ask for I think really yeah. and obviously the results as well which are coming most of the time From a fan's perspective Jack how good was it for you to see the, the Mayflower stand open obviously it's been empty for over a year now It's just great I sit in the Lindhurst, uh, as you both know, and it's just great to look, look at, out, out that way and to see people behind, behind the stands. And I've not yet been in the new stands to have a look around, um, so I can't comment on that, but it was great to see the fans there. I think the, the atmosphere before the game, in no small part, down to what PAFs see displays yeah, well yeah, and, and, Nick and everyone else that helps with that. Because I don't know if you saw the picture, Stu, but it was fantastic. Yeah. And partly the launch of Mayflower 400 mm. as well. And there was flags and things like that, but but fair play to Nick. He's he's really uh, he's upping his game all the time. <laughs> I, I tell you what, it does. It, I, I can't speak for every Argo fan, but it makes me proud actually that there's someone like Nick doing that for my team. Because yeah. I, I was thinking to myself while well, that was all going on, if you're a Swindon fan now and you're mm. seeing all that, that, that is a pro, this is a proper club, a proper mm. ground that's doing well in this level. You don't see that at a lot of clubs. At, at this sort of level I, so. I think it's worth saying as well that Nick and the guys are also always looking out for donations so if any yes. Argyle fans out there want to make a donation yeah. just check out the PAFC displays um, they've got their own website page yeah. Yeah, they so and go on there and, <clears throat> and check it and out it's even the fact they have all the kids with the flags and I thought when I was young looks, I would have great. loved to have been it on the pitch it's not, not just does it look good mm. though but it's the fact that you've got kids that involved on the pitch doing that it's, mm. everything they do is fantastic and it really did set up for the occasion and yeah the result wasn't what ideal but there's not going to be too many teams that play better than Swindon at home park this season, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was nice to see, that, particularly the lower part of the grandstand, because yes. we've got so used to seeing that old terrace just left yeah, empty for years and years and years. And to actually see people sat in there, unfortunately they might get a bit wet when it rains, like it did on New Year's Day. Um, there's not a lot that's going to be done about that, but it, it looks the part. I think they, the, the aim was to have something modern, but that retains... The character of the old grandstand and they have definitely um, achieved their aim with that and uh, with the team doing well I can we can expect more decent crowds and of course the the Devon Derby against Exeter in March sitting here right now I'd be shocked if it wasn't uh, 18 and a half hours yeah. sellout because uh, the, with both teams doing well yeah. with the grandstand there people are going to want to want to be there and see that game so mm. that could be you know a really fantastic occasion and the other thing I quite liked as well just to mention is the fact that the club Simon Hallett whoever organised it got Joe Mitchell to cut the ribbon yeah. Mm, yeah. and I just again off the pitch everything seems to be pull, pulling together quite nice and it's a nice little touch mm. you know there's so many chairmen I'd argue don't have their finger on the pulse don't really know what's going on but you don't get that feeling with Simon Hallett he's really switched on to what matters to fans and a that lot, was a great touch a lot of people who'd have put £8 million pounds of their own money into something would want all the, their name their, on it would want their, their name and everything <laughs> and, and Simon was quite happy for Joe to, to, to there was a bit of a problem cutting the, the tape yes. because it was wet and everything like that so Simon did go in and that but yeah, I thought it was quite noticeable that, that Simon was quite happy to stand back and let Joe who's become like 
you know, a really mascot. Yeah, he is really. And um, again, I saw saw him in his mum Claire on um, Saturday at Scunthorpe, and they're going to Carlisle. So I can't think of anyone better than Joe to um, yeah. to officially open the grandstand. Yeah. Makes you, again, makes you proud to be connected to our goal because I think they're doing the right things off the pitch, which I think is important. It's the small things that count. I think. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. And as we say, the, the Christmas period. Um, the only downside, I guess, Christmas, you're going all the way up to Macclesfield just before <laughs> Christmas and uh, yeah. a, a bit of a wasted journey up there. Um, yeah. But it ended in a, in a positive note with another long trek away to Scunthorpe and a 3-1 win. Two goals for Luke Jepcott. Yes. Jepcott. Mm. Jack's already pulled me up on that today. Jepcott. Jepcott. Jepcott, sorry. Yeah. Um, have our girl found a solution to the striker that they're, they're, they're after? Or do you think... Ryan's still going to look for that experience from her. He's, he's still going to look for another uh, proven goal scorer. Um, easier said than done, but that's what he's looking for. Is Luke Jeffcott the answer? You know, you're not going to make any sweeping conclusions on one game. Uh, what was encouraging was that he's gone to Truro and he scored a few goals. He's got his chance. Um, I think most people might have expected him to be on the bench, but Ryan Lowe's thought, well, none of the other strikers are really pulling up any trees. Dom Telford's just picked up another injury. He's stuck him straight in. And in 11 minutes into the game, he scored a goal. And he got into the right position. It was a great ball in from George Cooper, but it was still a good, clean strike and a good, clean finish. The, the second goal that he got that put Argyle 3-0 up was the one that I'd probably enjoyed more because that was a goal poacher's yeah. goal. I was going to say Ryan Lowe would probably yeah. be absolutely delighted with that goal. They are not pretty. The keeper should never have fumbled the shot from Danny Meyer. Should never have been a goal. But Luke Jeffcott followed it up. And when you watch back on the replay, there's about three or four Scunthorpe defenders all stood there. And Luke Jeffcott just goes in between them. And when the ball drops, he slots it home. Now, 99 times out of 100, the goalkeeper holds that. And nobody notices the fact that you followed up. Yeah. But... You know that was a that was an important goal, a goal po- go goal poacher's goal, um, <laughs> one that shows that he's used to scoring goals, albeit at a lower level yeah. than in League Two. So it, it's good for him. I mean, he he's going to start on Saturday at Carlisle. If he does well there again, then he's really going to sort of start pushing his way mm. um, into the starting lineup. But I, I'd still be surprised if if well, Ryan Lowe said afterwards he's going to be still looking to bring in a striker, um, but. It's good to have options and somebody yeah. that's come into the team and scored. I think you're totally right. I think the fact that it was that type of goal means yeah. so much more and Ryan mm. Lowe would be happier mm. than had it been a 25-yard volley that yeah, goes I, in off the crossbar. Oh, you know, Ryan Lowe made a career out of scoring goals. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think as well... You've got to have that instinct, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I mean. That's what he'll be so pleased about, yeah. is seeing a striker showing that yeah. goal poacher's instinct that he's been talking about pretty much all he, season. He mentioned that in his quotes to you afterwards, didn't he? He was mm. told that if, you know Cooper will get the ball in, you've just yes. got to find your way to get there. Yeah. And, and and the other good thing, taking away from the fact that the actual goals is, that is a good sign to youngsters. If you go out and under under Ryan Lowe, if yeah. you go out and you perform well, you may well get a chance. And he's taken his chance. And, you know, over the years, there have been maybe not as much as some people would like, but there has been occasions where youngsters have been given the chance and not taken them. But Jeff Cox taken his chance, and now his sh- it's his yeah. shirt to lose. And also, you look at Tiverton. Alex Fletcher said, "I think he's got four and four. Yep. So now all of a sudden, if he keeps that up, Brian Lowe will be looking and thinking, well, he's scoring goals as well. He, you know, maybe yep. deserves a chance for the first team, and maybe Fletcher will get that opportunity that 
I don't know, you can say he's had opportunities before, maybe he's not had the prolonged opportunity that perhaps he would have wanted. But, but that's the thing, you can't, you can't wait for a prolonged opportunity. Jeff no. Gott didn't have, he's taken his chance in the Come first in attempt. Scored, yeah. That's what you have to do to, to get into a manager's mind. Good decision from the manager though. Lots of managers were yeah. recalled in them, stuck him on the bench and just played with Joel Grant and Byron Moore up front. There were plenty that's of raised what, eyebrows that's as well. What I was, team that's what I was expecting to be honest, but the manager said, you know, no, I'm going to bring him back. And he's been scoring goals and he's done what I asked him to do. Why not throw him into the team? It was an away game at Scunthorpe. That wasn't an easy sort of no. easy mm-hmm. game to put somebody into. He's up against uh, Harrison McGay and Rory McArdle, two big lead two centre-backs. That, that was not the easiest game he could have put him into, having not played all season. Yeah. So I think the manager deserves a bit of credit there for Absolutely. being brave and, and putting Jeff Scott in the team. And then he's been uh, rewarded with uh, two goals from the striker. Yeah. It's certainly made things interesting in League Two. I'll yes. go up into the playoffs. I think they're fifth. Sixth. Six. Sixth in the table. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still so congested up there. Uh, there is a bit of a gap, though, between the sort of top nine, I think it was, and then the rest of the table. Who, who do you guys think will be the ones that sort of kick on? And You've got to say Forest Green are struggling at the moment, aren't they? They're, just, it's not, home they're, they're not playing well at home at all and away they're doing okay. But I'd be worried if I was them. There are some teams that are, I think, Argyle, Probably got the best form in the league at the moment, you know, even if we take it to the Swindon. They were top of the form table before the Swindon game. I don't know how that's shaken up since then, but um, yeah, they're they're definitely one of the teams up there. I think Colchester United look like they're on a pretty good run of form at the moment and uh, have improved as the season's gone on. I think their cup commitments are out the way as well. Yeah, so I I could see that. I I thought they, uh, you know, they've had a good run of results, so I I could see them challenging up there. Exeter seem to be playing pretty well at the moment and they're, they're up and around there. Um, Swindon, having seen them on New Year's Day, they were good. If they do lose Owen Doyle, that could be an issue for them. But they've still got strikers there. I don't think the goals will dry up. You know, Jerry Yates has got 11 goals from this season or something like that. Even playing in a team when Doyle's got 23. So Swindon and Colchester look like two teams that are going to be up there. And as Jack said, you know, Argyle eight wins out of 11. You know, if you if they win eight of the next 11. That they've got coming up, then they're going to be right in there, aren't they? So yeah. and, and also crew, they I mean at certain games they can just score goals of fun. Yeah. I mean they're they're a bit of a hit and miss team at the moment, but they're, they're not they're, sure about Bradford. They're sort of a bit up and down, aren't they? A bit hit and miss. That's and... why I'd be interested to what happened to Owen Doyle. Because mm. well, I, I was I mean, watching they... Juliet Soccer on Saturday and mm. the, the guy I can't remember who was there, but whoever was there saying if only they had a striker, they they were missing <laughs> yeah. an Owen Doyle. And ironically Swindon were missing him on that day because he couldn't play against his parent yeah. club. But it's, I know we've spoken about it a lot on this podcast, but it's just bonkers. It really it's, is. It's, is a crazy situation and we were looking earlier weren't we Jack and he's already played for Bradford this season yeah. so he can't play for any other club other than Bradford or Swindon yeah. so um, it is going to be interesting to see what they do mm. they're going to want if it's me if they're going to let him stay they're going to want more aren't they for him they can recall him and say look if you want him back you're going to have to pay more than you're paying now because yeah. he's got you however many goals well they're always taught Alan Nixon the, the, I think he's some journalist isn't he? he he's put a story out yesterday saying that Swindon are prepared to pay more for Owen Doyle now or why wouldn't you? Well, that's just it. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, yeah. Doyle could go back to Bradford where, you know, some. I remember speaking to managers before and they say sometimes you go to a club and you just feel right, the kit feels right on you, Absolutely. you like wearing particular colours, things like that. Yeah. Bradford just might not be the right fit for Owen yeah. Doyle. Maybe maybe the style of play of Gary Bowyer doesn't bring out the best in 
in Doyle and he's playing in a team where it, it, it suits him perfectly and we've seen yeah. it I've got under Derek Adams he got the best out of certain players like Jake Jervis yeah. never yeah. had a season like he did under him Freddie Ladipo Freddie Ladipo yeah, yeah. Great example you yeah. know sometimes it just takes that manager but it would be interesting mm. to see what happens you mm. know Owen Doyle I don't think Owen Doyle was fantastic against Argo he was good but he was there to sink that one chance away and that, that's, mm. that's what every team in this league wants yeah, we've definitely said on the podcast before and it still holds true <laughs> that the, the promotion and playoff race is going to be really tight yeah. You can you can start to see nine or ten teams that it's going to be between, but uh, good luck if you're going to be brave enough to predict the top three and, a, and the, the four playoff teams because uh, it, it, it looks pretty wide open, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. We spoke about League Two before there. Um, let's talk about the transfer window, guys. We mm. spoke about Owen Doyle. Um, that's going to be the big story, I think, in League 2. Yeah. Argyle have already made one signing with Tyreek Backinson coming in. How did you assess his performance up at Scunthorpe? Yeah, good. Slotted straight into the team, Stu. It obviously helped that he'd been training for a few days before he played that game. Um, it, he, he'd been at Argyle for a week or two, so he... I spoke to him after the game and he said that helped, really helped a lot that he was able to get to know the players he trained with the team he understood the way they were going to play so that when he got thrust straight into the starting lineup, it wasn't somebody that just signed two days earlier and didn't know names of people he was already part of the, uh, part of the squad um, he's athletic, rangy looks as though that midfield holding role could be the, the most likely place where he's going to play that then sort of raises the question, well, what happens to Joe Edwards, who's been a, a regular and played a lot of games there? And what's going to happen to Josh Grant? Because he's played a lot of games as uh, a holding midfield player. Um, Josh Grant didn't play against Scunthorpe. I'm sure all Argyle fans would have seen that and know the reasons why. But basically, his loan from Chelsea had ended. Argyle have offered him a, a long-term permanent deal. Um, so he's got a decision to make. Does he leave Chelsea, the club that he's been at since he was a six-year-old and signed for Argyle? What does he do? So Ryan Lowe gave him the weekend. Um, so I should imagine possibly tomorrow, Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll, we might well hear some news about uh, what Josh Grant's decision is. You would hope and expect that he would he would stay. It's worked out well for him. He's playing regularly. He's in a team that's uh, you know hopefully going to have a good second half of the season. But you know, it's a big decision for him, isn't it? 21, he's been at Chelsea for a long time. Um, he's got decisions to make. So anyway, so you, you've got Tyreek Bakinson, you've got um, Josh Grant, you've got Joe Edwards, who can all play that midfield holding role, but Edwards can play right wing back, as we saw at the weekend. He's done that before. So more versatility, more options in midfield. So I think that, that makes the midfield look pretty strong, I would say. You know, the wing backs and the centre midfield players. Um, clearly... Uh, they will look to bring a, a, a striker in. Uh, there's question marks over Zach Rudden, whose loan spell ends from Rangers next week after the game against Carlisle. And then Billy Clark's short-term contract ends after the Mansfield game on the 18th. So what happens with them? Do they stay? Do they go? If they go, then does that give more Ryan Lowe more scope to, to bring somebody else in? So we'll wait and see. So, yeah, there will definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm sure a striker will come in. And then it's where else in the squad, you know, do you look to bring in a defender? Uh, again, it might involve people moving out if Tafari Moore left, for example, or one or two others that aren't uh, mm. figuring at the moment. So early days in the January transfer window, but certainly scope for 
for a little bit more in and out. It's funny how it's changed, isn't it? Because I remember a few months ago we were all saying, "Oh, go need two, one or two centre backs yeah. desperately." Yeah, yeah. But, now, but now, as Chris said, you know, Josh Grant has dropped back into centre back in recent games mm. and been quite good there. So you've got cover sort of mm. that you didn't imagine you had before. You know, earlier in the season, Josh Grant didn't play particularly well in that situation, mm. but he's developed since playing in the in the further forward role and, and done well at centre back when he's had to be there. So it's funny how things change, isn't it? Foot, things change very quickly in football. It, it is, and that's why you know it's it's always a bit dangerous to make sort of snap judgments on people after a month of a season or two months of a season, isn't it? Um, because the the defence at the start of the season just wasn't getting the job done, and it was the same defence that didn't get the job done last season in League One. Mm. But in fairness, you know you look at the back three on Saturday. Wooten, Canavan, Sawyer did a good job. Yeah, they did. What's changed? Did a good job. Um, they perhaps understanding the way the team are playing. Um, they're perhaps not trying to do too much of the playing out from defence, which isn't perhaps natural to them. So they're concentrating more on what they're good at rather than trying to do things that they're perhaps not so used to doing. Confidence is a big thing as well. Yeah. You keep a few clean sheets. It's like a striker scoring goals. If you're part of a defensive unit that is keeping a few clean sheets you know you, you start playing that bit better Scott Wooten's really improved this season I think all Argyle fans would agree with that Noel Canavan's been you know strong in the air needs to score more goals from set pieces because I think he's capable of being like a Sonny Bradley type that can, can score goals from set, attacking set pieces Gary Sawyer's been a real steady Eddie for the team so that's what I say Argyle are missing is, is that, that, mm. that defender that can get goals at the other end Will Ainton look to be that player mm. and maybe he will be he'll be like a new signing when he's back mm. fit he's been a bit <laughs> been missing recently for, for obvious reasons so it's, it's an interesting one that's for sure and you speak about the confidence as well and of course for Noah Canavan to get that winner in the last minute against Stevenage mm. yep. must have been a, a great boost to his confidence and I always remember the Berry fan as well the Berry fans were tweeting that Ryan Lowe's Barry didn't get going until sort of November. It seems to take time for players that aren't used to playing in that structure. And as Chris said, they considered what was it, eighty goals in the mm. one last season. This defence, their confidence would have been shot. Mm. Yeah, you know. And then the season doesn't particularly start fantastically. Although there was the three 0 win in the opening day, but after that, and it, maybe it takes a bit of time. And Ryan Lowe's had to adapt as well. It's sort of it's sort of bringing those pieces together to make something that works he, for everyone. Ryan Lowe keeps saying it's a work in progress, mm. and it. it it is. He's not just saying that, and it, it has been. From, you know, they won the first two games of the season, and they, oh, it's going to be. We're going to walk the title, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. It was that was probably always a bit wishful thinking. Um, and then when you got into September, and things weren't quite clicking and gelling, and they were conceding too many goals, and I think the low. I was looking at the weekend. They they got dropped down as low as fourteenth, and they've had to work pretty hard to work their way back up to sixth. You know, that's taken quite a lot of wins to get from fourteenth to sixth. Mm. But now they're in there. It's often hard. The hardest part sometimes is to get in there, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then once you get in there, you sort of get, you can get carried along, can't you? And it, if it sometimes feels like if you have a draw or a defeat, it's not necessarily the end of the world once you're in there. But get when you're trying to get in there and you lose a game, and then you drop down to tenth or eleventh, and it feels like, oh, are we ever going to get there? And what I know I've said this on the podcast before, but I'll stand by it. The fact is, because I've got to sharing the goals around. There's no one I'm worried is going to be poached by a bigger club. Whereas, you know, you've got Cheltenham, I can't remember what the striker's called, the score's called quite a few goals and be linked to the move away. You've got Owen Doyle, Swindon. Because Argyle is such a unit and not, there's not one outstanding player, I'm fairly confident that they're going to keep their team in place. And that could be almost the best thing that could happen to them in this transfer window. Yeah, that's, that's certainly going to be an interesting thing, is who, 
stays at these League Two clubs mm. that are chasing promotion, of course. Um, lots of changes in League Two over Christmas as well, um, some involving former Argyle people. Mm. Uh, Ian Holloway, the new manager at, at Grimsby, that, that's a fascinating appointment to me because, as we were talking about earlier, guys, he's, I think he's spent £100,000 of his own money to become a director of the club and to buy shares, shares yeah. in, in Grimsby Town. He's not made a secret of the fact he wants to get back into football management. I think he was quite keen on Argyle. I think he came out in the Bristol Post and did columns saying he would love to get the Bristol job. And I'm... I'm pretty sure that was probably a bit defeated of him that he didn't get the call there for, for, for that job. And he came out saying he wanted the Walsall job in the summer, I think, as well, and he didn't get that one. He was sort of at last chance saloon, really, and he's got a job now. I, 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 don't, I, I feel like the bitterness that I had towards him sort of worn away a bit. Yeah, cause it does over time. It's taken 10 years, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it has worn away. And I'm actually I'm glad to see him back in football. Yeah. I think it's just as well you're not a home fire when he comes back, Joe. <laughs> no, no, I'm sad about that. But, but, but yeah, so I'm, I'm glad to see him back in football. Cause he, he's, when you, if you work with him, it might be different. But you know, when, when you're just as a football fan, it's good to have characters in the game. And I think... There's not so many of them left, and he, no one can argue he's not a character. And I, he got a good result in his first game. You know, there's always a honeymoon period, but hopefully it works out for him. And I think it's a fairly risk-free job. There's only one team getting relegated this year. It won't be, it won't be Grimsby, I'm pretty sure. So he's got, he's got the time. I think there's, there's going to be less managers being stacked at the lower end of League Two this year, I'd imagine. Yeah, good result in his first day, and a good win on his second day as well. Way at Mansfield, now managed by Graham Copeland, of course. Yeah, I was sitting in front of Matt Dean, the BBC Radio Humberside. Um, commentator uh, at Scunthorpe on Saturday and so I could hear what was going on at, Man- at Grimsby Mansfield and uh, there's a lot of excitement up in that part of the world about Ian Holloway there and uh, yeah why not Grimsby are one of those old traditional clubs that have been down on their luck over recent years and it's not going to be dull no whatever happens at Blundell Park it's not going to be dull and we're going to see plenty of Grimsby and Ian Holloway because um they're down at Home Park on March the 3rd and then we're up at Blundell Park towards the end of March as well. So, um, yeah, there'll be plenty more opportunity, uh, plenty more opportunities, Jack, to discuss Ian Holloway uh, between now and the end of the season. If Ian's listening, I like you now, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All is forgiven, eh? Yeah, maybe not forgiven. But... And of course, Graham Copeland at, at Mansfield, yeah, yeah. which is, uh, that was a surprising one, wasn't it? What do you think? It's, a, it's an interesting one because I think there's no secret that they want success at Mansfield. They spent yeah. quite a bit of money, they brought in some good players. I think the owners don't make any secret of the fact they don't want to be in League Two. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure there. I think if he doesn't get results between now and the end of the season, if they're not in the top half, maybe not even pushing for the playoffs, I think he could be at risk again. I don't, Do I, I don't know that sort of club that will give him... I, I, I'm not so sure I think they will give them time and I think they've given up on this season I think they're too there's, mm. they're too far adrift now yeah. so I think they'll give them this season to, I wonder I think that'll come next season I think this season they'll give him the chance to look at what he's got yeah. make decisions in the summer and then go for it next year but generally they've been pretty supportive of their managers I mean um, they gave, Dempsey, Dempsey, they gave Jack Dempster probably longer than a lot of clubs would have yeah. Yeah. and the fans were calling for him to go a long, quite a long time I ago I would agree with Stuart I think They've almost got the perfect opportunity to have a real good look at the squad and work on things for next season so they hit the ground mm. running next season. It, I've, I've, no, I've said this before on the podcast, but Paul Sturrock did it in 2000, 2001. You know, he, he didn't want them getting in the playoffs. So he sort of flirted with the players. He didn't really want them. He just wanted to focus on what he'd got and working what he needed. And then at the start of the following season, 
off they went and they got yeah. the title. So um, it's a great job, though. I think it's mm. a really great project for for Cocker up at Mansfield and close to home as well, which is obviously why he uh, left. I think closer to, to, closer to home is important to him. But yeah, I know Graham Cochrane, and we've spoken to him on the podcast. And he's a winner. He's not just gone there because it's close to home. He's gone yeah. there because he thinks he can make Mansfield Town into something. And with the support of that that owner that they have. The championship isn't an impossible dream for them. It, 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 League One is probably a, a much more realistic target, but you could do something with a yeah. club like Manchester. It's probably for the support of that it's, owner. It's probably for if he can get Bristol Rovers up into the playoffs in League mm. One with their finances and tight restraints. Then mm. why couldn't he do it at Mansfield? I hope I hope it works out for him. He's, I've interviewed him a few times, and he's always he's genuinely been one of the nicest people I've interviewed, and it's felt more like a chat rather than an yeah. interview. And, and of um, course, he's down with Mansfield Saturday week, so Saturday the eighteenth. Um, he's been to Home Park a lot since I know. he's been in management, hasn't I he? Know, but um, I, I, you know, I, I know that he he has a lot a lot of time for for the Argyle fans, and uh, and they do for him as well, and what have you. Um, so, um, and just talking about Graham Cochran because I know he was um, just mentioning briefly, he was very close to Chris Barker, the former Argyle player. Who tragically died last week at the age of thirty nine, and um, just a, a little tribute to Chris before before we finish today because he was a, he was a genuinely nice guy, and I know you hear people say that a lot about people, but he was a genuinely nice guy. He had two seasons at Argyle, got to know him reasonably well. Um, him and Craig Moon went everywhere together, so you know sympathies to everyone that that uh, friends family of Chris, but Craig Moon I'm sure will be you know bitterly. Uh, you know, devastated by what's what's happened. Um, fair play to the travelling Green Army on Saturday. Early in the game on Saturday, they were singing. There was only one. There was only one Chris Barker. You know, and that was a nice little tribute. That um, so well done to the Argyle fans. And yeah, terribly sad, mm. sad news. Mm. And um, yeah, condolences to all his um, family and friends. Definitely. Indeed. Finally, then, guys, um, I'll go back on the road. And you too, Chris, this weekend. <laughs> Thank just, you. A, just a short trip up the M5, M6 to Carlisle. Yeah. Um, I think this is a great game for Argyle because Brunton Park's a fantastic pitch to play on, very similar to Home Park. It's yeah. very spacious, very yeah. expansive. Yeah. I think Argyle will go up there on Saturday, play their game, and I, I can see nothing but an away win, to be quite honest. Oh, I hope <laughs> you're right. <laughs> uh, I know what you mean about the pitch, and it's, it's normally in a good condition yeah, as well. Yeah, it's a fantastic pitch. Um, they have had the occasion where, because the River Eden is nearby, and <laughs> yeah. it floods, and the, the whole of that ground and the air surrounding the water. floods, doesn't it? Yeah. You went to Blackburn one year, didn't you, to play you, Yeah, we did. Yeah, 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 yeah. we did. Um, and I think, you know, I can remember seeing pictures of Brunton Park with just the top of the goalposts yeah, sort of above the water. But generally, when it's not <laughs> flooded, it's... Um, it's a good pitch and it's a bizarre one because I, I don't mind going to Carlisle. It is a long way away. Um, but uh, I quite like the drive from Preston upwards and you skirt the Lake District yeah. and you know, it's quite a pleasant drive. And Carlisle just feels like one of those clubs that perhaps a bit like Home Park did a few years ago where you, you, you sort of feel that there's something there to work with and they can't quite... It's that potential word, isn't it? There's, yeah. there's potential for something to happen at Carlisle. It, it's never quite achieved it. They did have one season in the old First Division years and years ago, well before Jack was born. So <laughs> let's get that one out of the way, Jack. But um, uh, I, I quite I quite enjoy going to Brunton Park, and it always brings back memories of the Jimmy Glass game yeah, and, and stuff like that, which was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in football. So um, yeah, apart from the three hundred ninety miles, I'm going through those. <laughs> 
blooming roadworks on the M6. Oh, the M6 is horrendous. Um, once I get there, I'll be, yeah. I'll be fine. Well, at least you didn't have an away game this weekend, just gone. Oh no, you did. <laughs> <laughs> it's not been a great start. Did, you, did you like my gift? Um, uh, I, am, I, uh, I feel like a proud parent. <laughs> <laughs> you, you graduated from gift school. <laughs> He's, I've been a very, I noticed you got a few comments as well. Yeah, 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 your, yeah. your Twitter game has, has no. upped. No, considerably. You've, you've brought me into the 21st century when it comes to gifts, anyway. You're, so. in, you're in the playoffs <laughs> at the moment. Very so, great. If Argyle can get another win and sort of cement their place in the playoffs, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the end of the world if they didn't get a win, but to drop out again would be a bit of a blow. So they can sort of make that their own and keep now try and keep up with the top three. That is, I think, the aim now. I think that's, the, that's going to be the aim of Ryan Lowe and the players, isn't it? Is to chase down that top three now. Yeah. They've gone to Forest Green, Shelton and Scunthorpe got wins in, in recent times. They know what sort of performance they need to produce to get results away from home. It is getting them results at the moment. Of course you're going to have blips and ups and downs. That's Lee 2 football for you. Now Argyle went to Cambridge and played awfully and got beat. So you can't rule that out happening. But looking over the last two or three months, if you look at it objectively, they are playing pretty well and there's no reason why they can't go to Carlisle and get a win. It's weird because Argyle had, I don't think, the easiest of runs uh recently but they've got quite a good run on paper now and those are the ones that terrify me <laughs> when Argo, I think Argyle should be getting quite a few points out of the next four games but yeah. it's, it's never that easy it is going to be down to consistency can they maintain consistency and then you, I don't think many people can argue 8 wins out of 11 it's no. not, not bad is it no. yeah. so, so that's exactly what we said on our podcast a, a month or so ago I think mm. Argyle have won at Cheltenham and Forest Green back to back or something like that yeah. and we, they had the Macclesfield game and the Cambridge game I mm. think and we said you know they're the sort of Danger ones. You can't so, afford to slip up. It's can League you? Two football, isn't yeah. it? Yes, yeah. it's, it's so difficult. And to you know, put... with Argos pushing now, there are teams hot on their heels, like Argos are on hot on the heels yeah. of other teams. So you know, there are teams waiting to take your place. It's, it's like you said, it's going it, to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating to see how the second half of the season goes. And um, but the, the, if you'd said, if I said to you, Jack, at the start of the season, after all the changes, manager, players, and things like that, that with twenty-two games to go, you'd be sick three points off third place with a game in hand on virtually everyone above, above you. You'd have taken it. I'd have taken it, definitely. But, you know, I've, I've, we'll keep saying, I, I've been confident all season. I have said that on this yeah. podcast. I, yeah. You know, as I've said, you know, they didn't spend 100 grand or whatever it was, 150 grand to bring Ryan Lowe in to stay in League 2 football. The signings he's making are impressive. If that continues, I would be shocked if I got to finish in the top yeah. three this season. I, I really would. I, don't, I think if, if it continues as, as it is, I think the team he's built already is looking good. So He seems to have found things at work as well. I mean, one of the key things for me, I think, is um, playing Cooper as left wing back mm. because... You know, we were speaking about it earlier, Chris, and yeah. you were saying he might not be the best defensively, but going mm. forward, I yeah. mean, some of the crosses he's been putting in recently are well, just well, back a mess. And somebody did a tweet, and if it was you, I can't remember your name, I apologise, but somebody made the point, having seen the goals from Scunthorpe, that that's the sort of thing that David Beckham used to do. I mean, was he the world's most brilliant, technically gifted player? Probably not, but if you wanted one player to put a cross in for you at a key moment in a match, he would that would have been him, wouldn't it? His crossing, yeah. set piece delivery was superb, and George Cooper's is is excellent. You know the the, the one for for Luke Jeffcott's uh, first goal at Scunthorpe, just you know first time whipped it in mm. right at the near post. It was only ever going to be Luke Jeffcott getting on the end of that, and the second one for for Byron Moore's goal. I mean, it was a good finish from Byron Moore. Keeper could have done better at his near post, but you know Luke, George Cooper's pinged it from the one side of the pitch to the other, and I mean. George, uh, Byron Moore didn't have to break stride or anything. It's a striker's dream, isn't he? And that's what George Cooper brings to you, that, that real quality delivery, which if you've got some strikers with a goal-scoring instinct, they're going to get loads of chances with him in the team. Um, Swindon I was, you know, say, was um, 
Dom Telford, shortest yeah. player in the pitch, gets a header because of the quality of the delivery from George Cooper. So he's only got one goal, but he is providing lots of assists, and I, I see no reason at all why he can't keep getting lot, you know, loads more between them. And, and he's a threat from free kicks as well. He mm. scored that one, whatever game it was, I can't remember. My, my memory's awful, but he scored that Morecambe. one. Morecambe, thank you. Yeah. And then he, he, had, he had one recently which was quite close as well. So, And I'm convinced this Argos score's better than the one that got promoted under Derek Adams, even though we might not have Carey. Uh, you know, I, I'm convinced this is a better your team. memory, how on earth did I draw with you in that quiz, <laughs> Stu did? And that I'm says a lot about, a that, says, that says a lot about what, you. Not what me. happened? How did we'll, that have to, we'll have to do a new one. <laughs> it's funny, after the podcast, I always forget where I'm sat, so that's to point me to my desk. <laughs> right, well, on that note, chaps, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, and thanks to you guys out there for listening. We'll be back with more of the same next week. Bye-bye. We're always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.